Hi, this is Jose Figueroa with an Approved Workman, where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. Welcome to another week of Bible study. I am so glad that you're here as we open up God's word one more time. Our current series is Come, Lord Jesus, a study of the book of Revelation. If you're new to this Bible teaching ministry, here is how you can learn more about our work. First, go to our website, www.anapprovedworkman.org. That's anapprovedworkman.org. On the website, you can learn more about the purpose of this ministry, our approach to Bible study, and also review our statement of faith. You can also listen to previous episodes of the current series on Revelation or any episodes from any of the previous series we have done. On the website, you can also subscribe to the podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now also on Amazon Music, as well as other podcast directories. You can also connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Workman. On Pinterest, we have a page, pinterest.com slash Workman, And you can also find our Facebook page on Facebook, facebook.com slash Workman. 215. Finally, if you're watching the video version of this lesson, make sure you subscribe to our channels on YouTube and Rumble to ensure you will miss any upcoming episodes. Today, we are in lesson number 47 in the series, Come, Lord Jesus, from the book of Revelation. This lesson is titled, Come, Lord Jesus, Part 2. Our focus passage is Revelation 22, verses 10 through 21. So find your way in your Bible to that passage. In Revelation chapter 22, the Apostle John sees the river of the water of life and the tree of life. He also hears the guarantee of the imminent return of Jesus Christ to reign forever and ever. In our previous episode, we began our study of Revelation 22, Come, Lord Jesus. Let's do a quick review of part one of our study. We were looking at verses 1 through 9 of chapter 22, the promise of a new life. John saw the river of the water of life. We learned that the only source of true life is God himself, as in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. This river of life flows from God's throne. We also saw that on either side of the river, we see the tree of life, which bears 12 kinds of fruit, one for each month. This tree will provide healing, restoration, wholeness. It will provide shalom and life, all provided by our great God and the Lamb. We also learned that there will no longer be a curse in our new home. The end of the curse from the fall is finally here. This is a secure, a holy place for God's people. And his people, his bond servants, will serve him and they will see his face at all times. And his name, the name of God, will be on their foreheads. As believers, we will be with him forever. He will be our God forever. He will live, dwell with us forever and ever. No interruptions, no breaks in fellowship. We will be his people forever, and nothing and no one can keep that from happening. 
So let's take a look at the principle from part one of our study of Revelation 22. The principle, God's people possess the living hope of a glorious new and eternal life. God's people possess the living hope of a glorious new and eternal life. As a way of application, we ask this question. How certain are you that you will partake from the river and the tree of life? How certain are you that you will be able to enter the holy city? Before we turn our attention to today's study, I want to share with you a couple of stanzas from the hymn, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. It's, a, it's not a new hymn, but it was new to me. The words are by John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, and these words speak to the glory of our future home, and I thought they give us a good summary of our previous lesson. So listen to the first two stanzas of Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken formed thee for his own abode. On the rock of ages founded, what can shake that sure repose. With salvation's wall surrounded, thou mayst smile at all thy foes. Second stanza. See the streams of living waters springing from eternal love. Well supply thy sons and daughters, and all fear of want remove. Who can faint while such a river flows their thirst to assuage? Grace, which like the Lord the giver, Neville fails from age to age. In today's lesson, we close out our Revelation study by focusing on the last half of chapter 22, in the last chapter in the New Testament and in the Bible. In verse 7 of this chapter, Jesus declared that, And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. He affirmed again that his return is imminent and certain. He is coming back. And this is so important that Jesus repeats the same message two more times in this chapter, verses 12 and 20. And that's the focus of our lesson today, the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here is the lesson outline and goal for our teaching. Last time, as I mentioned earlier, we covered the first division, the promise of a new life, verses 1 through 9. Today, we will focus on the promise of a great return, verses 10 through 21. And the goal for the teaching from Revelation 22 is this, to encourage believers to remember that Jesus Christ is coming soon, and with his return, the promise of eternal life in the presence of God will be fulfilled. Again, the goal for the teaching from Revelation 22 is this, to encourage believers to remember that Jesus Christ is coming soon, and with his return, the promise of eternal life in the presence of God will be fulfilled. Let's get started. Let's go then to our second division from Revelation 22, the promise of a great return, verses 10 through 21. And he said to me, 
Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to reward each one as his work deserves. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral persons, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Revelation 22, verses 10 through 21. As we get started with verses 10 and 11, the angel said to John to not seal up or hide the words of prophecy in this book. There is no reason to keep these words away from anyone. Why? Because the time is near, is imminent, as we heard all the way back in Revelation 1, verse 3. These verses make me think that when pastors and Bible teachers stay away from studying and teaching this book, the book of Revelation, they do a great disservice to their flocks. We should not be afraid of the Bible, especially of a book that has a promise of blessing for those who read and heed its words. Again, we see that in Revelation 1, verse 3, and Revelation 22, verse 7. Everyone needs to know, and everyone will be held accountable for the words of the prophecy. So, we also learn that everyone who wants to keep doing evil, despite all the, of all the warnings in this book, will keep practicing evil. And that is a sobering reminder that despite of God's gracious and loving patience, Many will simply reject him, and that has been true for a long time. It's true today. Listen to the, this testimony from the scripture itself. Look at Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 27. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, This is what the Lord God says. The one who hears, let him hear. And the one who refuses, let him refuse for they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel 
27, Ezekiel was sent to talk, to preach to the rebellious house of Israel. But that idea of continue to reject God is not only typical of Israel, it's typical of us too. Look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 10. Many will be purged, cleansed, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand. But those who have insight will understand. That's Daniel 12.10. Again, Daniel chapter 12 is also speaking about the end times. Uh, and about in the end times, there will still be people acting wickedly, refusing to repent, refusing to turn to God. And we saw that especially in the first few chapters of the book of Revelation. In spite of all the plagues, in spite of everything that is happening, as God pours out his judgment on the earth, people still refuse to repent and give him glory. One last testimony from Scripture comes from the New Testament. 2 Timothy 3.13 But evil people and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So evil will continue. It's not going to stop until God deals completely with it. And in spite, despite of all God's patience and compassion and mercy in providing an opportunity for repentance and salvation, many people will simply reject Him and will continue in their evil deeds. In contrast, the faithful ones will keep themselves holy and will keep acting righteously. That's the faithful remnant, the holy seed in the stump, those that are loyal to the Lamb. So there is a contrast between the faithless and the faithful. Dr. Tony Evans, in his Bible commentary, speaks on this contrast. Some will not heed the admonitions and continue on a path of rebellion against God. As John puts it, the filthy will still be filthy. Others, however, will heed the warnings and move in the direction God wants them to go, namely righteousness. End quote. In verses 12 and 13, Jesus speaks again and reminds us that he is coming quickly and he is bringing his rewards to pay each person according to what their work, their deeds deserve. He gave us a warning about that in Matthew 16, 24 through 27. And if you recall, the Father has turned over all judgment to the Son. We read about that in John chapter 5, verses 21 to 23. The rewards are based on each person acts their deeds. And how you live is based on the answer to this question. What will you do about Jesus Christ? So the Lord's recompense has been turned over to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is being prophesied all the way back in the Old Testament, especially in the scroll of Isaiah. Take a look, for example, at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his compensation is with him and his reward before him. Isaiah 40, verse 10. Look at Isaiah 62, verse 11. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his compensation before him. He is coming soon. 
He is coming certainly, and he's coming to reward each one according to their works. Jesus then declares again that he is God. Is very clear. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and the beginning and the end. All things are fulfilled in him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Revelation 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, Revelation 1, 8. That also speaks of Jesus. Jesus is God. Look at Revelation 1, 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And then look at just last time, a couple of lessons ago, we were looking at Revelation 21, and this is again Jesus speaking. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Savior. He is the Deliverer. He is the one in whom all things are being fulfilled. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, the beginning and the end. As we move forward in uh, Revelation chapter 22, looking at verses 14 and 15, we get one more declaration of blessing for God's people. We're told that blessed are those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb because they have the right to partake of the tree of life and the right to enter the holy city, New Jerusalem. These are the one, the faithful, the one who have properly responded to Jesus Christ, have the right, we're told, granted by him to eternal life and to the holy city of Jerusalem. Look at Revelation 2 verse 7. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 2.7 What about Revelation 3.12? The one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name, Revelation 3.12. That's the faith of the faithful. Partake of the tree of life, access to the river of the water of life, access to the paradise of God, access to the city of God, always in his presence, his name on them. That's the faith of the faithful. In contrast, those who have failed to wash their robes, the faithless, they will remain outside the city. We're told that these are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. As we saw in our previous lesson, the cowardly, the unbelieving, or the faithless, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and the liars will not participate in the new heaven and earth. Look at Revelation 21, verse 8. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and sexually immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is 
the second death. So that group of people, the faithless, will not be in God's new kingdom. They have refused to repent from their evil deeds. Instead, their fate will be their second death, the lake of fire. Look at Revelation 20, verses 14 and 15. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 14 and 15. The summary, nothing and no one unclean will be present in the new heavens and the new earth. In verse 16, Jesus speaks again, affirming that he has sent his angel to testify of all these things to the churches. This is his word, his revelation, his message to his people. Therefore, we should embrace it and not shy away from it. He declares that he is both the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. He is the Messiah. In his commentary on the book of Revelation, Dr. Chuck Swindoll speaks on this statement from our Lord. He says, quote, Like a king affixing a royal seal to an official document, Jesus ties his reputation as son of David and son of God to the prophecies of the book. Once the warnings and promises have been uttered, there is no turning back. The words of the book are faithful and true because they were given by the one who we saw together, faithful and true. End quote. In verse 17 of Revelation 22, John states that both the bride, the church, and the Holy Spirit jointly invite all people to come. That's the most important task for the church, led by the Holy Spirit. To preach the gospel. In his book, Because the Time is Near, Dr. John MacArthur speaks on what our response as believers should be to reading and studying and understanding the book of Revelation. He says, quote, After reading Revelation, Christians should love Christ more, seek to be more like Christ, hope for their resurrection bodies, and anticipate their eternal rewards. They should also understand the fearful judgment that awaits non-Christians and call them to repentance and saving faith in the Lord Jesus. The knowledge that Jesus could return at any moment should not lead Christians to a life of idle waiting for his coming, but it should produce diligent, obedient, worshipful service to God and urgent proclamation of the gospel to unbelievers. End quote. That is a great set of marching orders in response to the book of Revelation. We are reminded here that everyone who hears the message is welcome to come and drink of the water of life without cost. It's free. Is God doing all the salvation work? He is the deliverer. He is the one who provides the opportunity to eternal life. He is the one who wants a human family with him forever and ever. The good news is there is still time. We're still in the age of grace. The bad news is it's not going to be here forever. So do not 
delay in responding. In his Bible commentary, Dr. Tony Evans comments on this gracious free offer. He says, quote, The water of life is a gift. All that is required to possess eternal life in the paradise that has been described is to receive the free gift of salvation by placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone and his substitutionary death. Embrace the agenda of his eternal kingdom. No earthly agenda compares. End quote. There's nothing like it. There's nothing more important than for you to decide what will you do with Jesus Christ? What will you do with the free offer of salvation? It is of eternal significance. As we move closer to the end of the chapter in verses 18 and 19, John then has a final warning for anyone who receives the words in this book. It's a stern warning. If anyone adds to the words, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book. And if anyone takes away any of the words, God will take away his participation in the tree of life and in the holy city. The message is clear. Don't tamper with the word of God. Earlier, we spoke about those who neglect even reading this book, much less, much less teaching it. Now, the strong warning is for those who would distort the word of God and lead others astray. What awaits you is severe judgment. Don't mess with the word of God. This is not new in scripture. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel as they were about to go into the promised land. Now Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform, so that you will live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, so that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you. Listen to Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you, and you will be proved a liar. In an episode of his Naked Bible podcast, Dr. Michael Heiser speaks on the meaning of this stern warning. He says, quote, Adding to and taking away from God's words are to lie. They are to reject and distort what the text says. And you can either do that by putting something in there that shouldn't be in there or taking something out that should be there. It's really about obedience to the text as we have it. Not inserting anything in there to get out of obedience and not taking anything away to excuse ourselves from our own sin, our own idolatry. End quote. Again, that's Dr. Michael Heiser on his Naked Bible Podcast episode 397 on Revelation 21 and 22, part 2. Don't mess with God's word. In verse 20, for the third time in this chapter, Jesus speaks about his imminent return. Yes, I am coming 
quickly. I think he wants us to know that he is coming quickly, imminently, could be at any time. And John declares that, amen, yes, we want the Lord Jesus to come. And that should be our response as well. In his book, Escape the Coming Night, Dr. David Jeremiah speaks of what our response should be to Christ's imminent return. He says, quote, until Jesus comes again, we need to walk submissively, obeying him and the truth he has given us. His last will and testament urges us to read it, follow it, believe it, and study it. Until he comes, I want to worship him, end quote. So there you have it. Walking in obedience, studying his words, believing his words, sharing his words, and worshiping him. That's a good recipe for what we should be doing as believers until he comes again. In verse 21, John closes with a prayer for the grace of the Lord Jesus to be with all. It's a beautiful way to close the book. So here we are. Are you longing for the return of Jesus Christ? Are you watching expectantly for him? If you belong to him, if you're a believer, one of the overcomers, you should be. There is nothing better for us. But if you don't, perhaps you fear his return because you don't know him personally, because you haven't accepted the free offer of life, the free offer of the water of life. But you don't have to live in fear. The offer is free. It's available. You can come to him today and be saved. But remember, time is running out. The time is near. Well, that is the end of our second division and final division in Revelation 22. What's our principle? God's people expectantly await the return of Jesus Christ. God's people expectantly await the return of Jesus Christ. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and in a godly manner in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, eager for good deeds. Titus 2, 11 through 14. How much are you looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ? Are you fearful or are you eager with anticipation? Well, that is our lesson for today. We have concluded our study of the book of Revelation. How can we apply what we have learned in this chapter? How can we apply all that we have learned in this book? We have covered a lot of ground in these two years. We spent a lot of time looking at the prophecies in the book, the symbols, the potential timeline implications. You can easily get lost in the details as you look at this book. It all has been good, and I hope that it has been enriching for you. But to me, this book of Revelation is primarily about three things. It's about worship, it's about allegiance, and it's about hope. To conclude our study, I would like to spend some time 
looking at those three topics by asking three questions. First question, who do you worship? In this book, we saw several worship concerts in heaven. We learn that there is nothing casual about worship in heaven. All worship is directed to God because he is the creator of all things. Look at Revelation 4.11. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. We worship God because he is the creator of all things. We also worship Jesus Christ because he is the victorious lamb who gave his life to redeem his people. Look at Revelation 5, beginning in verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to break its seals, for you were slaughtered, and you purchased people for God with your blood from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have made them into a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I look, and I heard the voices of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Revelation 5, 9 through 12. So fittingly, Revelation is a book about worship, the worship of the one true God. The question for you and me is this, who do we worship? Do we worship God in spirit and truth, as Jesus told us in John chapter 4, 23 and 24? Or do we worship ourselves or other things? If we do, that's idolatry, that's spiritual adultery. Only God is worthy of all our worship, and not just casual worship. He deserves our intentional, wholehearted, true worship. So who do you worship? Our second question is, who do you follow? As I mentioned a moment ago, Revelation is also a book about allegiance. Allegiance has been defined as loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or cause. Everyone will make a statement of allegiance to someone, God or Satan. Everyone will make a choice. The believers, the overcomers, as we have seen in the book of Revelation, have stated their allegiance to God the Father and God the Son. This is demonstrated not only in their vocal testimony of faith in Jesus, but also in the actions that show obedience to His commands. His faith and works together, as James reminds us in chapter 2, verses 17 and 26. Faith without works is dead, is what Dr. Michael Heiser calls believing loyalty. There is demonstrable, clear evidence in our lives 
of where we stand. Dr. Carmen Joinines refers to this as properly, rightly bearing the name of God, the name of Christ. In John chapter 10, specifically verses 1 through 5, we learn that Jesus knows his sheep, his people by name, and they know him. And they only follow his voice and no other. So the question for you and me is, who do we follow? Do we follow after our own designs and desires? Do we follow the, the lead of the world system, which is led by Satan? Or do we unequivocally and unabashedly follow the victorious Lamb of God, regardless of the cause? This is what he calls us to. Look at Revelation 2, beginning in verse 25. Nevertheless, what you have, hold firmly until I come. The one who overcomes and the one who keeps my deeds until the end, I will give him authority over the nations. Revelation 2, 25 and 26. Look at Revelation 7, beginning in verse 13. Then one of the elders responded, saying to me, these who are clothed in the white robes, who are they, and where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation seven thirteen and 14. A look at Revelation 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Revelation 12, 10 and 11. So the question again is, who do you follow? So we have looked at the question, who do you worship? We looked at the question, who do you follow? Third and final question, who is your hope? How do you navigate this uncertain life? How do you go through the challenges that you might face each day? How do you deal with a world that at times seems to be completely spinning out of control? How can you have assurance that everything will turn out well for you in the end. As believers, as we go through this life, we also need assurances. We need a sense of certainty. We need true hope. And I've come to believe that the trials and tribulations we experience on this earth are meant in part to make us put our focus on heaven. That is, the new heaven and the new earth. We need to remember that as believers in Christ, we are destined to be with God forever. And as we have seen over the last couple of weeks, we are headed to a place that's all new, all good and pure, and all permanent. But you know what? The new heavens and the new earth would not mean much if one person was missing. That person is Jesus Christ. Truly, our hope 
is not in one event or one place. Our hope is in one person, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah, the bright morning star, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the good shepherd that protects us and keeps us safe. He's also the good shepherd that gives up his life so that you can be with him and the Father forever and ever. Salvation is secured and protected by Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And that is very good news. So who is your hope? I truly want for you to have your whole place in Jesus Christ. He is the sure living hope of heaven. Look at the testimony of the gospel writer Matthew, quoting from the prophecy of Isaiah, beginning in verse 18. Behold my servant, whom am I chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bent reed he will not break off, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish, until he leads justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Matthew 12, 18-21 The Apostle Peter also looked to the Lamb of God as the one true hope. He says in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God, through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 Hope is a person, Jesus Christ. And if you have accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, and Savior you and I will be with Him forever and ever. So the question again is, who is your hope? In summary, the book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ and his imminent return to rule and to reign. It's all about him. That's it. That's the book of Revelation. Revelation 1 verses 1 to 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it for the time is near. Revelation 1, 1 to 3, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the testimony of Jesus Christ, the things that are to come. We are to read it, to hear them, 
and to keep the things which are here. And then as we close, Revelation 22, book ends. Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who's thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without cost. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Indeed, come, Lord Jesus. Come soon. This concludes our teaching from Revelation 22. Thank you for being here today. In our next episode, we will have the start of a new Bible study series. I, as I record this today, I still don't know what that series will be, but I will keep you posted. So keep your eye open on Facebook and Instagram. But until then, this is Jose Figueroa for an approved work where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. May God richly bless you.